Hello and welcome to the One Football Podcast. So you're gonna have to start all of that again. Uh, okay. So Ryan Babel, this, they like Ryan Babel. They like Ryan Babel. For the okay. first time in his career, he found a club where the fans actually like mm-hmm. him. Um, and now they're talking about renewing his contract. Mm-hmm. And we all know that the three big Istanbul clubs are not too wealthy at the moment. They all have some financial struggles. But he asked. I for, didn't know that. But yeah, they, they, the three have, and they were asking for a lot of money. He's asking for like. 200 grand a week or something what? like ridiculously amount of what? money. <laughs> 200 actually, grand a actually, week? Actually, no. So what happened was somebody well, like, commented on his Instagram. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Now pink-haired Ryan Babel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So somebody commented on his Instagram, uh, what, are you, what are you waiting for? Are you going to ask for 200k um, a week? And he answered with, what do you want? Should I? Uh, are you going to ask for 200k a week again? And he just answered with, do you want me to visit your mother again? That was oh. his only reply on his what? official Instagram account. So yeah, he's in, he's in, he's in trouble now. There's no need for that, is there? Don't get people's mums <laughs> involved. What's this got to do with Robbie Keane? Nothing. I just uh, I just was browsing headlines and I saw the Keane headline and then I saw the Ryan Babel headline. Other headlines today include a family in France who want to name their kid Mbappe Neymar or Neymar Mbappe, something along. What's the lines. first name? No, it's called <laughs> no no Griezmann Mbappe. Oh, is it Griezmann? Griezmann Mbappe. That's, Mbappe. Yeah. That's the name they're looking for. I met a guy uh, a few years ago whose kid was called um, Balotelli. <laughs> yeah. No. This guy was a City fan, obviously. I've, uh, and he said, we've got another one on the way and we're calling that De Bruyne. <laughs> no. Why don't you go with the first names? <laughs> I know a person that really. called Seriously. his son Santiago because Inter won in Santiago Bernabeu. But Santiago is at least... No, it's bad. It's bad. It's bad. Santiago I can sort of get, but call, was it like... Balotelli Evans or something like that. There was a girl as well, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> what? Yeah, yeah. And I've got my dad used to work with a guy who's another crazy city fan, mm. and his surname was say, for example, Christie. So mm. he named his son Michael Colin Francis Christie. So his initials would have been MCFC. I think that's genius. It's <laughs> <laughs> a smart approach. Yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you, I yeah. can't get over that. De Bruyne is probably worse. I think De Bruyne is What's worse. What's up, De Bruyne? <laughs> so, but this family... Was De Bruyne a boy or a girl? I dread to think, to be honest. Maybe you can find that out for us. No. <laughs> I'd never want to go near this person again. Okay. After all of that, let's crack on with the podcast. Joining me, Ian McCord, on today's One Football Podcast is Dan Burke. Hello. Nico Hamer. Hey. And Francesco Porzio. Hello. Keep all the questions coming in. We'll get to a few of those later. The address for that is podcast at onefootball.com. So we got excited about it once. We got excited about it twice. But in the end, our chances of seeing a super classico were about as likely as a decent performance for Manchester United. <laughs> Francesco, what the hell happened? Start with Saturday because it's one, it was of, a mess. Most, one of these most <laughs> astounding stories ever. Let's say it was entertaining, but yeah. now we can get over that. Yeah. Okay, uh, what happened is that Boca was going to the, to the stadium to play the game. And River fans were waiting for the bus and started to throw everything they had to the bus. Mm-hmm. There was a clash between the police and the River fans. And in this clash, uh, the police, for now they're saying, they throw the pepper gas to you know to, the, mm. yeah, yeah. to make the people disappear, and uh, since the bus, the, uh, the glasses of the bus were broken, this gas came inside the bus, mm-hmm. the Boca bus, yeah, the Boca bus. Mm-hmm. So there, are, there were uh, players such as Tevez, such as Perez. They were injured mm-hmm. and they couldn't play. 
And that's what happened. The, the game started to be delayed because the, the Perez, the captain, the Boca, uh, went to the hospital mm-hmm. and he couldn't play. He, he had like half of the site, mm-hmm. four out of 10 on the scale. And uh, so it was impossible to play. What happened is that, of course, they said, um, actually the common ball uh, doctors, they said that the, the, the players were not that injured for the game to be postponed, which is for me the craziest thing of the weekend. Didn't they say that they not we've not examined them, so we can't determine whether they're medically unsafe to play? So it's even worse, time. they said we examined them. Oh, really? And we think that they're not that injured. <laughs> <laughs> So it's even worse. So but pe- why, why, why would this happen? Mm-hmm. Because the FIFA was there, Infantino was there, and they had so much pressure for this game to happen. Mm-hmm. So they postponed it to the day after. Mm-hmm. And this is something that Carlos Tevez said at the time. He's like that they're, they were trying to pressure us into play despite you know the captain being off in hospital getting his, his exactly, eye checked. Exactly, exactly. I think there was a video, I think it might have been Tevez, who was basically going to address him, but it was, looked like he was choking along mm-hmm. the way. They were, yeah, they were, they were in terrible conditions. They couldn't play. And uh, so Tevez, after all this, he said uh, that we don't have to play. I mean, if we in these conditions, we are not uh, able to play. Mm-hmm. So they delayed the game the day after. And the day after was a mess because Boca said, okay, we, we are in the same conditions. We can't play today. And so after two hours, three hours, the fans were already going to the stadiums. And uh, they said to the game was cancelled and postponed to the unknown date. That's and that's where what we, happened Sunday. That, that's where we stand right now. I think it's crazy in these situations. I feel like it's, it should be always up to the players because this reminds me about the, like the Borussia Dortmund bus attack when they had to when basically um, their chairman decided well nobody's really injured uh, besides Mark Batra you guys playing tomorrow and this team was but what about the psychological conditions yeah, of the players they, 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 they had no interest in playing and the players said afterwards look we were we have like, to say here something very lives. important for me mm-hmm. is that the river for the first moment the manager especially Gallardo said if Boca doesn't want to play we will not play this game and uh, after uh, the game was postponed to the day after he went because Boca could even leave the stadium because they didn't have the bus. They had to wait like hours and hours to leave mm. the stadium. And uh, Gajardo went to the pitch and start and talk with uh, Tevez, with Perez. I know this is something normal for us, but in that culture, in this moment, that's a big, it's a, a big, big it's a big episode, I think. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in the last 10 years, 98 Argentinian fans died in circumstances around the game. And in the history, it's 328. So it's a lot. I mean, it's I not mean, something... 98 people in 10 years it's dying huge. from football-related violence in one country is astounding. Yeah. Let's say that football for me is it's, um, it's just the context for me. Uh, also, what happened, I think, on Saturday is not very football-related. There is something else going on. Uh, these um, Barras Bravas, which are basically the ultras of Argentinians, they are implicated with mafia, with corrupted uh, um, police also. I mean, there is a lot going on. We don't know everything right now. We just know the episodes will happen and mm. it's embarrassing for the world. It's really embarrassing for Argentina. Here you have what should be one of the biggest matches in world football on a two-leg affair at the end of uh, this Copa Libertadores cycle. And it can't even they can't even stage a football match. And the thing is, what is going to happen in the next box? I'm not thinking about the Super Classico that will happen probably in Doha or in Miami. We don't know yet. Mm. 
what happens in the next one, the league super classical, because no, there will not, there will not be the same attentions that we have right now. And imagine the uh, fans of Boca and the fans of River next time that either team goes to the other stadium, what will happen? Yeah, I mean, this is not, it's not going to end the uh, next week. Or there's when. actually a bit of precedent for this kind of thing as well. In 2015, there was a, a, a Copa Libertadores semi-final was awarded to I think it was yeah Boca fans through tear gas at Rivers players inside the stadium. Yeah, the game was called off and the, the game was awarded to Boca. Mm. So so that's why now no, the game, game was, was awarded to River. River. Sorry, and yeah. that's yeah. why now Boca is saying this game should be awarded to us yeah. also because there is also that game that. Yeah. You know, it's uh, it's, it's difficult. It, I, I think <laughs> they have a point there. I yeah, think, you want to go? You want to? Look, I, I don't like that. But if somebody, if that decision would, like, somebody would make the decision and say, like, well, Boca has won this game, I wouldn't like it. But I would say, well, it's kind of fair. I agree. You can do it this way. Because if you can't play, apparently, and the only option is to move that game to God knows where, mm. I feel like. Yeah, but what? If I were a Boca fan, I'd want to play the game. I don't think winning on an administrative yeah. decision is the way to win. Let me say that for bragging, ninety percent, ninety-five percent of the Boca River fans think about what we are saying right now. Mm. I mean, they're not different from us. It's not like another word. There's just that five percent, four percent of these fans that are ruined everything, either sides. Mm -hmm. uh, also, why they have to play the game because it's worse for Argentina to not play this game yeah, yeah. because if the, um, the fans that will lose the game without playing will go nuts about it, will, will go crazy. Yeah. And also rem uh, remember that the president of Argentina is a former uh, Boca president. Yes. He's an historical Boca president. And he's not a, partic and, uh, and not a particularly uh, popular president at the moment. Exactly. Yeah. So you see that there are many things combined here. It's not easy to, to understand where is the truth, what's happening in real. I mean, it's, hey, it's going to last forever, this thing. Trump probably. is jetting down there for the old G20 meeting. Maybe he could solve it. He's He'll solve it out. Yeah, yeah. I think this whole thing is a fake news, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not the, the, the return match. It, it's not going to be in Genoa. It's not going to be in Genoa, sadly. That was a, an incredible idea, actually. Brilliant idea. Brilliant idea. I will say that Genoa is not the best city right now to, you know, handle these kind of big events. <laughs> we know that mm -hmm. in the last years, many things happened in that city and... Uh, it's not the right one. But the idea behind it's amazing because both Boca and River come from Genoa. Also, the Boca fans are called the, um, um, uh, the Genoans, the Xenes in, uh, in Argentina. Um, so there is an historical background, which is very fascinating. Mm -hmm. And also the stadium is amazing in Genoa, so it would be great. But honestly, I think they will prefer the money from Doha or Miami to play that game. Instead so of you think that's where <laughs> it's going to be Doha or somewhere like that? Also remember that if the game will happen next week on the 8th or 9th of uh, December, there will be the FIFA World Cup for clubs three or four games uh, days after. Mm. So whoever wins this game has to go to play the, the FIFA World Cup and uh, it's going to happen two, three days after in that area. So I think that's the most reasonable one. Okay. Hey, speaking of things not going so well, Bayern Munich, 3-1 eh? <laughs> up, 15 minutes to go against a Dusseldorf side that are second from bottom, mm -hmm. that have led in more goals this season than any other side in the league, and a side that before this game had scored just 10 goals in 12 games, they end up drawing 3-3. Three, three. Mm -hmm. What went wrong, Nico? What is going wrong? So first of all, Dusseldorf is exactly as bad as these stats make it sound. <laughs> they, are, they are dreadful. It's a horrible team. 
Well, what, what went wrong is, um, I would say, purely mental breakdown, nothing else. And it keeps That's on it. happening to Bayern. Okay. Yeah, well, it's not a problem if it happens once, but if it happens like in any home game, basically any game these days, it's bad. Um, they had like three shots on goal, on target, Düsseldorf. It was three counter-attacks. It was Jérôme Boateng who was... At this point, it was it's embarrassing to, to watch him play football. Mm -hmm. um, the opposing opponent coach, Friedhelm Funkel, after the game, he was asked, so, Niko Kovac, should he be fired over that? And he was like, for what? If his players are too lazy to, to, to run and to go after the ball, no coach in the world can change that. And he has a point. Um, it was, for me, it clearly looked like a team that is playing against the coach. Wow. Well, what about this 5-1 then against... Uh Benfica, I mean. I honestly think nobody in the entire club of Bayern is happy about that win. <laughs> Because Why not? The, the, I feel like the, the bosses, Rummenig and Hoeneß, they were ready. They were ready for, for a draw. They would have qualified anyways. And they were, they were ready for a draw or a loss to say, thank you, Niko Kovac, you're gone. Even if they would have won like 1-0 one, one or 2-0, it still would have been a chance. But the only, the only the first reasonable win they have this season comes to right at the wrong time. Um, so they're kind of in between at the moment, but I don't think that uh, this gained him a lot of credit. I think still think Kovac is on a hot seat. Okay. And also the player who scored are the actual the ones seem to be sacked probably. That, that is the craziest <laughs> part. This is the craziest part. <laughs> so it was Ribéry scored. Who honestly Ribéry look, looks bad this season. Like he's over it. Robin scored twice. I think Ribéry's been over for a season or two. It's yeah, but it's, he's 45. It's, Give him a break. <laughs> <laughs> but it's getting more and more obvious because the the only thing he ever did was this this the opposite of Robin. When Robin cuts in, he cuts wide and tries to go on the short post. And if you don't have that explosive first step anymore, this looks embarrassing and that's the case for Ribéry at the moment. But now they scored Robin twice, Ribéry once. Um, basically these are two of the, out of the four guys that want the coach to be gone. So uh, and they all said afterwards, "Wow, we were playing for the coach." This This is a proper clusterfuck we have in Munich right now. That's no, bad. Clusterfuck is a very good adjective yeah. for it. <laughs> uh, did you want to talk about the chemistry in the team too? Yeah, I'm happy to do that. It's, um, so for me, like in general, Munich has three problems and they are very, these are big problems. First of all, team chemistry. I'm going to talk about that in a second. Second of all, the coach. And third of all, the, the chairman, the sporting director, the president. So basically everything in Munich is fucked at the moment. Mm. The team chemistry is quite, um, quite easy and quite similar to the German national team. So in the German national team, there was reported that the issue was the 2014 World Cup winners and the 2017 Comfort Cup winners don't really like each other and they come along. Well, Bayern has the best of both worlds. They have the 2014 World Cup winners. They have the 2017 Comfort Cup winners in Kimmich, Gnabry, Goretzka. And uh, they don't seem to come along, which from the very start of the season is a problem. Um, but then Niko Kovac is a players manager who likes younger players. But he has to rely on the older players in Munich because there are too little good young players. These players, though, when we're talking about Robben, Ribery, Boateng, Hummels, Müller and Manuel Neuer... It is, well, That's reported mm. that they are clearly, clearly against the coach. After the draw to Düsseldorf, they, when he left the locker room, apparently one of them stood up and said, like, look, this is, we can't work with him anymore. It's not reported who it was. But this just shows that this is not going well in Bayern. They have this one part of the team that clearly wants the manager to go. 
Then on the other hand, though, players like Goretzka or Renato Sanchez, who are the future of the club, and Renato Sanchez is playing as good as never before for Bayern, um, they like Kovac. So there is a huge gap inside the team. And the problem is, I have no idea how to fix it. Just get rid rid of the old players. (laughs) Yeah. there's, There's no sense that they would back Kovac and say, okay, look, we're going to give you time. Focus on the youth players. Let's try clear out some of these older players who are not necessarily going to be useful to us next season and, and so on. That is what Bayern should do, but they're not going to do it because um, they have players that have become too powerful and they let them become powerful. They let basically Ribery slapped a journalist a few weeks ago and Bayern didn't do shit about it. He keeps on freaking out at any classic versus Dortmund where he like, he, he, Uh, like grabs people by the throat he pushes them around Bayern let him do whatever he wants and these players become too powerful and too influential and like Thomas Müller who's like the proper Bavarian there is no chance Bayern can't sell Thomas Müller without the, the fans going nuts and so the problem they have now is they got a few players a group of players that have been there for ages that are super super powerful and they're not at the age yet where you can say well like let's fade it out because They are still 29, even though they play like 35. Okay. So it's a tough situation. And they all have long running contracts. How many games does he have to save his job? Or can't, no, he can't save his job, can he? I, I got the theory that Bayern will actually play quite well till the winter break now. And that will just delay the entire, the entire thing. Um, if you would have asked me that two days ago before the Benfica game, I would, would have said he's basically out after the Benfica game if it's not a... 5-1 for example mm-hmm. now this happened um, let's put it this way if Bayern is not winning the next Bundesliga game that should be it Okay. if they do we'll see there's a lot of talk of Zidane a lot of talk of Arsene Wenger see that is not gonna no, it's not an option first oh. of all I don't think he would do it okay. second who, of all who, Bayern Wenger or Zidane? Uh, Zidane okay. second of all Bayern after the Ancelotti disaster they're not interested in having a, a not German speaking coach again for mm-hmm. the next few years um, Arsene Wenger speaks German and I'm I feel like he's by far the front runner for the job I don't think he's a good fit but It's not my job. I think it'd be a great appointment just for maybe a year and a half or something. That is the only, the only thing, exactly. If it is, if Bayern, there's this uh, report that came out this morning that they're willing to to splash 200 million euros next summer on players. And Gosh. like, yeah, they have a wish list. Basically, it's like Delit and De Jong from Amsterdam. Rebic, which is already f- under 50. Yeah, which is 150 alone. <laughs> I was going to say 200 <laughs> one player. Rebic, Jovic from Frankfurt, they would be over 100 together. And um, Nicolas Pepe and uh, Nabil Fekir from France. Mm-hmm. These would be the front runners, or these are the players that Bayern wants. And if they do that, if they properly say, okay, we're going to spend a lot of money here to rebuild the team, then Wenger would be a good fit. Bayern, though, normally is a team that is not they're not rebuilding they're rather reloading and then they need and then I I just don't feel like Wenger is the right fit so who who is it then? I have absolutely no clue oh okay I would actually more insights like that coming out <laughs> <laughs> I would actually maybe go with Ralf Hasenhüttl former Leipzig coach no I think he did a good job in Leipzig it's not going to happen now he doesn't no. have to standing in front of Bayern I like it though as a Frankfurt fan did you see this coming with Kovac did you think it was going to be no I, you were very much behind this in yeah. our preview podcast oh, I still believe that Niko Kovac is a good coach I feel like the situation is too messed up at this point I feel like so in a situation like that clearly 
the coach has his has a share in it. It's not a, not a question. Maybe it was too early um, for him, but the what I read the other day is when he coached Croatia in 2014. He, when he got sacked afterwards, he basically complained that the stars, like Modric or uh, well, Rebic wasn't a star back then, mm-hmm. Mandzukic, that they were, he basically said they're like little bitches and they were complaining about everything. And this is somehow the same thing that is happening at Bayern at the moment. And if you're coaching basically three teams, like Frankfurt, Croatia and Bayern, and two out of three teams, this happens to you as a coach, that might be a sign. <laughs> so, okay. I, maybe I was just, too high. Just one thing. I, 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 from Nico today. <laughs> I, I spoke with Sorry. a person that knew no Kovac. Oh, yeah. Like a few months ago, before he arrived at Bayern Munich. And I asked him how was him, like as a coach, because I honestly didn't know. And he immediately told me he's a great person, a great coach, but in Bayern Munich, there are different players. Mm. And the locker room there is like nowhere else. Yeah, wow. and so, that probably that was his problem. Like more, it is the exact not on the pitch but off the pitch is his problem. And it's the exact same players that uh, basically wanted Ancelotti out next last exactly. season. Same players again. So maybe Sorry the managers are not the problem. No, that's okay. We'll, we'll stick the explicit thing <laughs> yeah. on there. But the kids are getting one last thing. That. If you look at Nico Kovac right now and then compare it to pictures from like two months ago, he looked like he aged. 20 years. He looks bad right now. Yeah. Using Gattuso after a few months. I mean, <laughs> so podcast at onefootball.com is where you can send all your questions in, which is exactly what Gavin Harding has done. Hello from California, says Gavin. Anybody been to California? Yeah, me. No? No? Okay. Minus three here. Yeah. Yeah. It's, well, it was minus seven, I think, the real feel when I was cycling in this morning. I'm sure it's oh. a bit nicer in California. Anyway, asks Gavin, I was wondering what you all thought of Yusafa Mukoko. Some think he's the next big thing, but he's only 14. What is the chance he'll travel with Germany to Qatar? I mean, Nico, you're, you're the only one who can talk about this. He plays for Dortmund, is that Yeah, right? he plays for Dortmund youth and his stats are like unlike anything I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's ridiculous. He's now captaining the Dortmund under 17s and he's 14 years old. What? And he has like, at this point, like he has like played 12 games and scored 28 games. Uh, goals last season he played like 20 goals in a once again he was still he was 13 playing with the under 16s back then and he scored like double the amount of goals and games played so his stats are ridiculous he his major advantage though is that his physicality is out of the world and if you basically look like a grown grown man and if you as physical, as strong, as quick as a grown man, and you play against 16, 17 year old boys, that's an advantage, even though if you're just 14, which is mm. super weird. Um, from what I heard and read, Dortmund wants to build him up very, very slow. They don't want to hype it up too early because the hype is already there. I mean, even in California, people know about him. <laughs> and um, But we also know Dortmund, and if they see that a young player can make a difference, like with Jaden Sancho, who became a starter when he was 17, or Christian Pulisic, they're going to play him. Mm-hmm. And we know the German football that they're not afraid of using young players, so there is a chance. So he's 100% going to win the World Cup with Germany and Qatar. Okay, that's, that's settled. <laughs> that's the, what we got. Yeah. That's it, yeah, that's, that's settled. Wasn't there some chat a year or so ago that he wasn't really 14? Yeah, there's, there's like... You know this, uh, wasn't this the same story with Drogba or some of these, well, he told that he was way older than... than, than Martins. Yeah, and it's ridiculous because that is something, and I don't want to open 
another mm. big topic here, yeah. but it has to do with uh, with racism yeah. in the end. Yeah. Nothing else, because the only reason for that is because he has he's he's has a darker skin color, and people automatically assume, well, uh, maybe he's just old. Or he was born in Germany. Has a, he has a German born, uh, born cert, how is it called certificate? Mm-hmm. Um, birth certificate. Yes, the same the same thing. I have the same thing. Everybody has that is, that is born in Germany. There is no reason to believe he's older than than he is. Yeah, and they're so, big into their administration here in Germany, so yeah. I know they didn't get that wrong. When I used to play junior football, people used to think I was older than I was as well because I was so you tall. Are probably. But I was rubbish, so I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I noticed we got no question in asking me for my opinion about the new managerial setup in Ireland. <laughs> Funny that. I mean, I guess all the fans must be too busy shitting themselves over the prospect of Myth Mick McCarthy leading Ireland. Yeah. Anyway, Anthony Lewis has been in touch. Afternoon, gents. Uh, this isn't so much a football question as it is a cultural question, followed by a complaint. Done and dusted. Ian says it all the time. I've never heard it anywhere else before. I quite like the phrase. I've begun using it at work. Consequently, my co-workers are confused, bewildered, and have started to take the piss about my usage of the phrase. Poor old Anthony here getting bullied at work. I'd suggest you change your job, Anthony. Get some new friends. <laughs> he asks, is this an Irish thing, an English thing? I mean, this is pretty normal usage for I me. I was I don't know. amazed to receive this email and find that it was... Um uncommon outside of mm. the British Isles or wherever, yeah. yeah I, Have you ever I done mean, and dusted? He, he's Italian. Actually, I checked up the etymology of the phrase for Anthony. Oh yeah? Yeah, it, I'll give you this. Documents were signed in times past using pens dipped in ink. Drying time could be considered as the application of the ink varied so much. <clears throat> Excuse me. To speed things up, an absorbent dust was sprinkled on the fresh writing, left momentarily, and then tipped off the sheet, allowing mm. the document to be rolled and folded and then carried off. Thus, a deal was finally considered to be done and dusted. Amazing. Uh, the question is, where hey. is Anthony from? Well, yeah, this is what we were trying to figure out. Anthony, if you could get back in touch with us and let us know. I know you're a big fan of Dan. You've compared him to Pirlo before. <laughs> uh, get in touch. We, we guess American because of his use of the word co-workers. But we're not we're not a hundred percent sure. Okay. He says taking the piss though, which is a very un-American phrase, isn't it? Yeah. It's true. No, it's American. Yeah. No, no, I, no, I only heard it that's, from British. Yeah, that's yeah? Yeah. yeah, that's Irish or British. Oh, man, he's a he's a mystery. <laughs> Anthony Lewis, the mystery. Get in touch, Anthony. Elsewhere, there was some actual football played this week with the Champions League down to its penultimate round of matches. Or match day. I hate the word match day. <laughs> match day five. Oh, it's rubbish. <laughs> I also hate. Well, maybe hate is too strong a word, but I... Oh, God, Neymar. <laughs> <laughs> Who's with me on this? Come on. Yeah, I'm with you. I like him when he scores against Liverpool. Nah, but they're joking. <laughs> <laughs> I hate him as well. When he plays and when he glides past players, it's wonderful to watch, <clears throat> but I, I can't stand what happens. In and that's what makes him so frustrating to me. That I really like what he does when he's actually playing football, mm-hmm. but everything else he does on the pitch when he does not have the ball in his feet, it's just... Uh, I don't like it. Like, oh, so was, but it was, a, I think the World Cup basically was done and dusted after mm. the World Cup. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, so who saw this game? I saw bits of it. Okay. Yeah. What did you make of it all? Um, I thought Liverpool were quite underwhelming. Um, not for the first time this season. I mean, it's, that's two away games in the Champions League they've had now where they've not had a shot on, uh, they've had one shot on goal in against Napoli and PSG. So I think that's a bit of a worry. PSG were good. Um, scored two really good goals I mean Neymar and 
Kylian Mbappe came back from injury mm-hmm. and I think it was a big boost for them that and they, they both played brilliantly well but yeah I think um, Liverpool a little bit worrying for them it is a bit worrying uh, Neymar and Mbappe Cavani have scored 126 times in all competitions for PSG since the start of last season I thought you were going to say the start of this season then it wouldn't surprise me to be honest 126 <laughs> not 150 yeah. it's still incredible um, did anybody see you, did you see this with Verratti did you see this game? No, I didn't. Yeah. That was a red card. Yeah, yeah. can, you, yeah. can we confirm that it was a? I mean, it could have been a lot different. PSG should have had Verratti sent off. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's not a news actually. Verratti. <laughs> Verratti is another player who it, frustrates the hell out of me. Does he? why? Because because I think he could be good, but I don't think he's. I think because he went to PSG went to without going before in Serie A, and Serie A is a school actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, he went straight from Serie B to PSG without any experience. And that's what, I mean, he's a very good talent, so he didn't have any problem playing for PSG. But you see, he didn't have the experience that probably was needed to go to the one of the top teams in Europe. I actually, I actually quite like him. Just one, one really quick question, because he said Serie A is a school. Um, I just read that... Uh, Cristiano Ronaldo was the first player to ever score nine in his first 12 goals or something in Serie A. Is Serie A the hardest league to adapt to? Is that what you want Oh, that's a question. I know that's, that's difficult. That is something I asked myself and I really wanted to talk about that. I'm sorry that I interrupted <laughs> the championship. You've thrown that out there. We can we, talk about it later. We, we, maybe we'll come back to yeah, that in, yeah. in, a, in a few minutes. Uh, afterwards, Klopp complained about this PSG play acting. He says, two times in a row we won the Fair Play Award in England and tonight we look like butchers after the yellow cards we had. <laughs> it was clever of PSG, especially Neymar, but a lot of other players went down like that, like it was really something serious. He went on to describe their behaviour as unsportsmanlike. Do you have a point? I think he does, yeah. I mean, it, they were particularly bad at it last night, but I think English teams in general just don't really know how to handle that kind of gamesmanship, if you want to call it that. Um, Is this a failure then on the English on English teams? Should they should they be more aware of this and adapt to it? You know, given they know they know what's happening, they know what's going to come. Yeah, you probably. Adapt to it? I mean, I find watching the Champions League so frustrating anyway because of just the the delicate way that the referees handle the game. Everything's you know whistles blowing every two minutes and the. Can I just so, say that I cannot stop-stop. watch a game without VAR anymore? <laughs> it's embarrassing because we have the technology right now in Germany. We have it in Premier League. Okay, you want everyone to uh, to test it and then you were going to use it but uh, why we don't use the VAR also in Champions League well it's coming isn't it it's but coming it's, but it, they, it they, coming, they yeah. should be next year then maybe they're going to be in the round of 16 maybe in the round of 8 they said not all the stadiums have the technology for the VAR but now for me it's impossible to watch a game and I know the technology well, cannot s- help even without it they still made the right decision last night on the penalty no Oh, yeah. you mean Liverpool? 100%, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm saying in general. In general, okay. But you don't think you don't think English teams can adapt to this sort of thing? I, I, I'm, just trying to, I'm just trying to think about how do you adapt to that? What, do you, what can you do? Unless you fight fire with fire and everyone's just falling over all over the place all yeah. the time. I mean, yeah, maybe you do. Maybe, yeah. you, maybe you take a bit of a hit every once in a while. I mean, VAR is not going to solve that problem because no. you can't be looking at every single tackle and going, oh, no, you're just falling over there. Especially but in like the box, uh, you were, the players will be more careful, for sure. But I, I, so I normally always think if I would be a fan of PSG now, there are no I'm the kind of fan, <laughs> all I'm saying is I want to do, I want my team to do everything it takes to win the game. And if the oppose, the, the, if Jürgen Klopp after the game says, well, it wasn't very sportsman-like or whatever, as a PSG fan, I'm like, ah, 
I don't care. But mm. yes, watching the game yesterday as a neutral viewer, was like, well, watching parts of it, I was like, wow, this is tough to watch. Well, according to Football League's PSG, are doing everything to win the game. <laughs> <That's true. laughs> the question is, where, where do you draw the line between a bit of gamesmanship, is the word I used earlier, and cheating? Yeah. I think mm. PSG are I think I said it before, I was even on the Luis Suarez side when he did it against Ghana in the 2010 World Cup. Even that, I was like, yeah, that's fair. Mm. <laughs> it, it is a big question, though, where you draw that line. Mm. Uh, PSG went over it for me last yeah, night. Agreed, yeah, agreed. It, it's a frustrating game to watch. Really frustrating. Mm. Whatever feed I was watching had Neymar down, the commentator was talking about Neymar being brilliant. Is this just my anti name? From what I saw, I thought he was very good, yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. Especially that goal he scored. I mean, he started that move yeah. in the left-back position, yeah. played the penultimate pass and then finished it off. Yeah. I mean, when, he, when he's... When he plays. Yeah. The yeah. thing I hate about Neymar is the whole culture around him and the yeah. whole, like, he's like the symbol of this individualistic nature in football where everyone's going crazy for the Ballon d'Or and, you know, he left Barcelona because he wanted to be out of Messi's shadow. Like, mm. it's a team sport. Well, you should want to play with Messi as much as possible. We're not even going to mention the white jerseys. No. Fortunately, <laughs> he plays with Mbappé, so until he plays with Mbappé, I don't That's think right. there's going to yeah. be a hero individualism. Actually, you, know? you, you uh, texted our WhatsApp group last night asking yeah. if, we, if we were going to do a... Uh, most overrated 11 was yes. that inspired by Neymar it wasn't inspired by Neymar it was inspired by Thiago Silva oh, okay. oh okay I don't think Thiago Silva is that good but he seems to, he occasionally he puts in a last ditch tackle every now and again and everybody's like oh Brazilian brilliant centre back <laughs> but I mean he, he was have, really good in Milan he was sure. he had some good times in Milan but yeah, he's I not mean, that good anymore the problem is he wouldn't have to put in these last ditch things if he was in the right position in the first place so that yeah, was the old Richard Dunn uh, style of defender exactly and nobody ever thinks Richard Dunn is, a, is the best centre back ever Liverpool need to beat Napoli at home to go through Dan you see them doing it yeah I think I can see them getting a 1-0 win yeah I mean they're defensively really good Liverpool they weren't amazing last night um, but but it's possible yeah so yeah. a 1-0 win will do it for the moment a 2-1 win means Napoli go yeah, through yeah. a 3-1 win it's means crazy. Liverpool go through yeah so okay. no, I, I think the most difficult thing is going to be PSG to win in Maracana in Belgrade actually because they have to win there mm-hmm. which is not easy mm-hmm. going to that stadium yeah. with a team there's not doesn't have the historical Europe background mm-hmm. I think it's gonna be tough actually yesterday Fabio Capello in on Sky Italy said it was always like this we we play uh, here it was uh, referring to England and we won like 5-0 or whatever we go there we suffer it's completely another team mm. and also yesterday in Napoli they weren't that good but Napoli drew against them in Belgrade so. have you seen that tunnel at the, I was just going stadium, to say that yeah. no I haven't seen yeah. this what's the, this the, the, just the tunnel at the Maracan Arse there's a video the basically what you it was on a match day stadium is packed and then the, you see what the players see when they have to walk down a tunnel Tunnel. first of all the tunnel is like feels like two kilometers long you walk past Tiny. 600 policemen standing on the sides <laughs> and then you come out and it's basically blowing your ears off when you go okay. even that video that is so impressive yeah did anybody see Messi's goal last night? Yes. yes. I still can't figure out how he did it. <laughs> I have no clue. I saw a picture of that earlier, like a, a, a freeze frame. And I were like, let's, well, there's six people around him, let's say four defenders, eyes on him. And I have no clue how he did it. And he goes, it should it should be the far post. Yeah, yeah. He, he goes, goes for, and he, and he goes for the near one. Yeah. 
it's quite good, isn't it? Yeah, I hope you will play against Tottenham next game. No, I'm not going to ask you to talk about Manchester United and the display against young boys because we'll, you know, send the listeners to sleep. But I am going to ask you about the reaction to Jose Mourinho and the Rashford miss. Do you want to talk about this? I'm going to shock you here, Francesca. Oh. Yeah, go on, let's talk about uh, it. Go on. Okay, so I, just, as, just as, what happened basically for anybody who missed So Rashford missed a bit of a sitter. Uh, five minutes in. Five minutes in, yeah. Mm-hmm. And Mourinho sort of turned around to the bench, shaking his head, shrugging his shoulders. Very publicly. Very publicly, yeah. And a lot of people were outraged by it, weren't they? Gary Lineker in particular said mm-hmm. it was disgusting. I don't have a problem with that kind of thing at all. Oh. I mean... I think the vast majority of United's problems are Mourinho's fault, but I don't think his players are helping him at times either. You know, that was a really bad miss from from Rashford. And, you know, there's, there's been comparisons on, on social media the past couple of days of uh, a reaction from Sir Alex Ferguson to Ronaldo's miss yeah. against Wigan. I mean, what is the difference, really? Well, Ronaldo is an established player against yeah, a 21-year-old who's still learning, or 19-year-old who's still learning his He's game. a professional footballer. His job is to score goals. If he's not doing that, then he deserves... I thought he was a no, more compassionate honestly, man. Are we judging every manager's face or move? Because here we have to open like a podcast of five hours. Yeah. But Mourinho does it publicly. Mourinho Everyone does, does it very, publicly. Very publicly. We're just we talk about, about Mourinho because it's Mourinho, because it's Mourinho but exactly. every coach does that. Exactly. It's just Everyone. because it's Mourinho. Yeah, but Mourinho Spalletti yesterday, but when, when D'Ambrosio missed uh, in the last minute um, a goal, he was like, like this. Yeah, but the, the, <laughs> the circumstances are different. You've got a young player five minutes into a game and it just and Mourinho knows that all those cameras are on him. Mourinho knows all those reactions are there. Mourinho knows he'll create a fuss by doing this. Yeah, but it's, I think it's different. I think Mourinho is less calculator in these things than what we think sometimes. In these yeah. situations right now, I think it was just... Why he missed that? Yeah. I mean, he didn't think, oh, there is a camera looking at me. I have to put my hair like this. No. <laughs> Mourinho sometimes can be natural. Let's but focus then, on that. Like, yeah, he's young, but he also has like, I don't know, over it's been 30 five years that he played he for United. <laughs> for England. He has won plenty of trophies. He won the UEFA Cup already. He gets paid very good money he's to get, put the ball yeah. in the back. Yeah, he's young, yeah, but yeah. no. Like, look, I'm normally always on the bandwagon to trash Mourinho. Yeah. Always down for it, but yeah. not on this. Okay, on this the bottle incident was hilarious. Yeah, it was. That's the best thing he's ever done it was hilarious but also pretty embarrassing it was super embarrassing I mean you don't you shouldn't need a last minute uh, goal that was handball by the way you shouldn't need a last minute goal against uh, young boys to react like that should you really you should have had that game sewn up a long time before Probably. Marouane Fellaini now has as many European Cup goals as Diego Maradona <laughs> wow now there you go how many is that do you know I didn't count <laughs> but there you go. Yes, yeah. I can't. I won't tell you anything better than that today. Uh, Dan Pep Guardiola called Leon one of the toughest teams he's ever faced. <laughs> he did, didn't he? Yeah. He ah. does this a lot. Yeah. yeah, he's prone to a bit of hyperbole, as Pep, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah, but, but was it as tough a game as the scoreline suggests? Yeah. Well, I mean, Leon were good in both games against City. They're the only teams have beaten City so far this season. They were good in um, on Tuesday as well. Um, made life really difficult. I think City made it a bit more difficult for themselves with the absence of um, Bernardo Silva and Gundogan. Pep kind of didn't really play another midfielder. He just cut, sort of left Fernandinho in the middle, which meant City got overrun in midfield a little mm-hmm. bit and weren't able to dominate the ball. I think they had 59% possession, which is quite low for City these days. Wow. Um, but yeah, Leon. I mean, by all accounts, they're terrible. 
I mean, the second in Liga, but the 15 points behind PSG. They've been really disappointing again this season. Before the first game against them, I asked our French colleague Roman what the score was going to be, and he said four or five nil to City, easy. I asked him again before the game the other night. He said, "Yeah, you've got no problems. There's no chance Leon are going to perform against City twice in a row." And they did. They very nearly won. Probably deserved to win. In fact, I think it was probably the two games against Leon were City's both both City's worst performances of the season. Oh, but and there might be a couple of Leon- score an amazing goal, by the way. Yeah, that, yeah. that was a very good one. And I really like Depay too. Memphis Depay is, is pretty flashy wow. player. I mean, um, <laughs> that's crazy. Have you seen how he wears shorts? How can you wear your shorts like that? They're like, like, like If I had legs like him, I'd wear my shorts probably. like that. Just Did, really quick have about you the, seen his back tattoo? I've seen, yeah. Amazing. Uh, this, this dude is a wow. piece of art. But just really quick, Guardiola during his Bayern time, if I remember correctly, Lam and Kimmich both were the best players he ever worked with at the time. <laughs> Lewandowski was the best striker he ever worked with. And Schweinsteiger was the cleverest, the smartest player he ever worked yeah, with. So you say he wished he had a team of Dante's at one point as well. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he did. No, no, nobody has ever said that. No. Uh, can I ask you about Phil Foden? You certainly can. Why did he only get one minute? It I sounded don't know. like Pep was ready to start with him. It's a bit of an insult, really. I mean, I think with Foden a lot, there's a lot of clamour from kind of the, the English media for him to play because he was the star of the Under-17 World Cup win a couple of years ago. And I don't know if he's quite ready yet, but whenever Guardiola's asked about him, he says, yeah, he's ready to play. And if he's ready to play, play him. That was the perfect opportunity to play <laughs> him. He brought him on for one minute and you mm-hmm. kind of think, has he done that so that at the end of the season he can say, well, I gave Foden X amount of appearances this season. You can't say I'm not, you know, giving youth a chance. Right. So he needs to he needs to make a decision on him soon whether he is actually ready and if he if he's not stop telling the media that he is maybe send him out alone because ultimately it's going to end up like Jadon Sancho exactly yeah. so I was going here because they were basically the same thing mm-hmm. and Jadon Sancho one point said okay here I don't have space I have to go somewhere else yeah. I'm gonna sign another contract with another team he went to Dortmund and we saw what, what happened mm-hmm. with Sancho and the risk for City is that it's gonna happen and you there another Sancho 2.0 if they don't play I mean if Sancho had stayed that would have been him coming off the bench for one minute exactly and look at him now yeah Daniel Story writing on Football 365 said the score at the time of Foden's introduction in his four matches when he's played more than 10 minutes 4-0 3-0 5-1 3-0 yeah <laughs> so maybe he's not quite ready no but he, he, he looks you know it, it seems like Pep doesn't quite trust him but whenever I've seen him play he's looked more than trustworthy he's never had a bad game for City so I don't maybe I don't he doesn't want to put so much pressure on him since there maybe. is already a, a media I mean that's the problem with clubs like City there is so much pressure to win every game mm. you've got Bernardo Silva Kevin De Bruyne David Silva Ilkay Gundogan there mm. all ahead of Foden why is he just going to put the 18 year old lad ahead of them but when players are out injured that's your chance to do it uh, you want to talk about the Italian teams a little bit um, you, want to talk mean, about, you want to talk about the bromance in Turin? <laughs> yeah. Can you start there? Okay, I can start there. Oh, go on. I think that as bromance, I mean, the relation between Mandzukic and Cristiano Ronaldo, which is incredible. Um, as I already said in this podcast previously that Cristiano Ronaldo had a huge impact on Juventus. And now the reason why recently is scoring more and it's doing better, I think, is because Mandzukic is playing with him and the connection they have it reminded me a lot of the connection it was between Benzema and uh, mm. Ronaldo Real he's Madrid. the perfect foil for Ronaldo exactly he works hard exactly exactly <laughs> exactly. Yeah. and that's why 
um, Juventus right now they're playing with Dybala they're playing with Mandzukic they're playing with Cristiano Ronaldo uh, occasionally they will play with also um, Douglas Costa they have a lot of players there so they need someone who does the hard work and mm-hmm. goes back to defense and also plays with Ronaldo um, they combine well I mean they are very good to each other and I think that can go anything can go bad for them because they're amazing together they're through to the next round easy uh, easy yeah, yeah yeah okay uh one side not through to the next round are your inter side yeah one nil defeated spurs last night yeah it was um quite interesting to see <laughs> yeah because i didn't watch this game okay um as i said before inter wasn't that bad but also as nico said wasn't that good and he was he's perfectly right i mean Let's remember the last time the Inter won against Tottenham, they won in the last minute and with Vecino and it was a terrible game from Inter. Yesterday it was a defensive game. Uh, Inter knew that um, Tottenham had to win. Pochettino, I have to say, was incredible because he put uh, Eriksen and uh, Son in the second half in the last seven, uh, 20 minutes. So his idea was, okay, I'm gonna uh, stay with uh, other players with, uh, for 70 minutes and the tw- last 20, I'm going to put Ericsson and Son and it's gonna change the game. Mm-hmm. And this is exactly what happened. And the defense of Inter was great. I think that De Vrij and Skriniar are two uh, incredible players. And yesterday they, they were, amazing against Harry Kane and Dele Alli, but then yeah. it, it went out of lands. Tottenham have now as many Champions League, have won as many Champions League games as Nicholas Bentner. <laughs> be delighted, Where do you, you know? find the stats? <laughs> oh, Lord knows. <laughs> uh, they also have a great chant, wake me up before you go-go, who needs bail? We've got Sissoko. Which is- <laughs> he was brilliant. And his, I mean, I only, I only saw the goal, but yeah. his role in that goal was fantastic. Like, no, he's, play, he's playing deeper now, isn't he? That's, yeah. that's I heard all the game. Playing. He was he was one of the best for sure. Yeah. Uh, Inter, he was, they were lacking a lot in the midfield because Nangolan wasn't fit. In fact, he was subbed in the first half. He wasn't smoking again. Was he? he was smoking again. Yeah, oh, okay. probably before the game, and uh, there was lacking. There were a lack in that area on the midfield, and that was where Sissoko had a huge impact on the okay. game. Uh, Roma lost 2-0 to Madrid, which means Madrid are the only team to reach the knockout stages of the Champions League in every season in its current format. Well done, them. Well uh, done, Santiago Solari. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But we want to focus on yeah. the man on the pitch before the game, our favourite ever Italian player, Mr. Francesco Totti. Yeah, agree, agree. So it was, they, what happened before they introduced him to the Hall of Fame? Exactly. He was officially uh, inserted in the Roma Hall of Fame not that it was needed actually I think that <laughs> assumed <laughs> exactly yeah. but it was the official proclamation with you know uh, Falcao uh, Bruno Conti all these former Roma players they made history also there was Roberto Carlos Raul and Butagueño from Real Madrid and uh, I recently finished his autobiography written by um, Paolo Condò which is by the way the journalist who wrote for the Ballon d'Or in Italy, oh. who was the one the first said that Modric is going to win the Ballon d'Or. And uh, so we see. Mm. <laughs> but um, in this book, I have to say that there are two or three things that made me think a lot. Go on. Um, 
The first one was uh, the encounter between Florentino Perez and Francesco Totti, the last time that Roma played against Real Madrid, I think it was 2015, something like that, in the um, round of 16. Um, and it was already in, in talk that uh, Totti could quit also that year, and actually he postponed to the year after. Mm-hmm. And um, Florentino Perez wanted the jersey, the jersey of Totti, signed, and he wrote, the only player who said no to Florentino Perez. <laughs> <laughs> Because in 2002, um, Totti was very close to join Real Madrid, and then he decided to not go, to stay at Roma forever. He wouldn't have fit in Real Madrid. He said in the book, he says, uh, I would have won the Ballon d'Or, but I wouldn't have had the life that I really have right now. So, I mean, on a personal level, I don't know if he would have fit. Football-wise, I don't I don't yeah. question it, but I just don't, I see him as so Roman and so You know, Roman, he says- and put him in Madrid with all another, that. Another part of the book that I really like was when he says about this, he was imagining his life around Madrid. And he says, imagine me going to the locker room after a game that Roma was playing at the same time as Real Madrid. My first question was, what Roma did? <laughs> so I don't care about Real, I just care about Roma. So why would I want to go there? Even if they were offering almost like 15 million per year. Gosh. And for that time- That is crazy, yeah. For that time, it's incredible. Yeah. And another Totti story, the last one that I wanted mm-hmm. to talk about is the one when he talks about um, his retirement. And he admits that he should have retired one year before. After, I don't know if you remember this, um, he was playing not much with mm-hmm. Spalletti. And uh, there was this game against Torino and he scored um, a brace. He came on the pitch in the last uh, 15 minutes and he scored twice on a penalty and the last goal against the 3-2 against Turin. It was the goal that permitted Roma to go to the Champions League. And I, re- I was living in Roma at that time. So I was all around, by uh, surrounded by Roma fans. And the idea, everyone was saying, just go on another year. I also <laughs> wrote on Facebook, I never wrote something about Totti or Roma in my life on Facebook. That time I wrote, please go on another year. We need Totti <laughs> in football. But then we were all wrong. And he actually says that his wife told him that he should have quit in that moment because that was the right moment to quit. He decided to go on one another year and we all know what happened. He didn't play. It's been a great last present. Yeah, it wasn't the last game, but it was basically like... Uh, yeah, but that's like the... Exactly. Know, that's yeah. my farewell, guys. Yeah. Go to the Champions League, you're welcome. Go out on a high. <laughs> Uh, back in the Premier League, it's Derby weekend, Dan. Certainly is. Spurs, Arsenal, Liverpool, Everton. Chelsea, Fulham. Yeah. Uh, Ranieri. Ranieri against uh, yeah. Sarri. Let's go to Merseyside for the start of this. And at this stage of the season, for the first time since 2013, Everton are above Man United in the league table. It seems like I'm Man United bashing a lot, but I'm not really. <laughs> I'm um, all for it. You're all for it. Okay. <laughs> is this a case of Everton being good or... Again, Man United bashing, Man United being rubbish. Uh, it's a bit of both, isn't it? I okay. think I had to laugh at the weekend, actually. I was watching um, American TV oh, and yeah. someone was talking about the big seven. Apparently the paradigm has now shifted to uh, incorporate United being seven. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. So it used to be the big four, then right. the big six, now it's the big seven. Okay. It'll be the big 
20 soon or something. <laughs> the big league, basically. Yeah. Right. Uh, so they, they've sort of, Everton have sort of flown under the radar a bit this season, but things are slowly starting to come together for them. Yeah, they've been getting results. I mean, I don't think they've been playing amazing football. They beat Cardiff 1-0 last week, which is kind of par, isn't it, really? Um, but yeah, Marco Silva's doing a good job, plays nice football, got some good players there. So I think it's um, positive for them. It's just, I think the big question with Everton is what what is their ceiling? It's probably sixth or seventh, isn't it? And then how do they break into the big six, really? without spending astronomical been, amounts of money. It's been a question at Everton for years, mm. hasn't it? And I mean, talk of astronomical money, there were reports that Everton had struck a deal with Alisher Uzmanov, yeah. formerly of Arsenal. I don't know what's, if there's anything behind Apparently it. Apparently they haven't. I think what happened was at the weekend at the, uh, Goodison Park, there was some advertising hoardings for his um, telecommunications company. People noticed it was being advertised around the side of the pitch. Mm-hmm. Um, but they've denied, the club have denied that it means that they've struck a deal with him about investing in the club. They said it's just part of some other holding company that was advertising with them anyway or something like that. Ah, but okay. I reckon there's probably something in it. It's just the deal hasn't quite been done yet. Oh, you do? I, I imagine so. There's been... There's no smoke without fire and stuff like that is the usual and they've so. been looking to sell for a while uh, I don't know if they're going to sell I think he's just going to be an investor like oh. he was at Arsenal okay. so he'll probably become the majority shareholder but I think that Fahad Mashiri will still be the owner as I understand it okay is Sylvester Stallone still a fan I'm sure he is yeah why wouldn't he be there was talk of him investing uh, back I mean back to the football What has, is there anything that Silva's done different this season or has changed or I'm just wondering why they seem to be a bit better now uh, well he's not Sam Allardyce for a start that's I think that's true. a big big yeah. difference but yeah. I mean you look at their team against Cardiff I've got the 11 here Pickford, Coleman, Keane Yerimina, Dinya, Gomez, Gay Walcott, Sigurdsson Bernard, Richarlison it's a bloody good team, that, isn't it? Mm. It's, a, it's probably the seventh best team in the Premier League, that. So I think that is probably where they'll end up at the end of the season. Um, they're nice to watch. Richarlison's been a brilliant signing. Probably, arguably, the best signing of the summer, I would say. I mean, a lot of people scoffed yeah. at that, that money, didn't they? That they yeah. spent him 50 million, but mm. I think he's been absolutely superb for them. So I like watching them and good luck to him. So he's the one player Liverpool fans should be worried about? I would say so, yeah. He's their best player. I mean, I don't think Liverpool have a lot to worry about in this game. Sorry, Everton fans, but <laughs> I think they'll, they'll probably know our our colleague Elliot is uh, an Evertonian, of course, and he's he's got absolutely no hope. I mean, Everton haven't won at Liverpool for about four hundred years. So. No, nineteen ninety nine was the last time they won. In fact, I've got an amazing stat about that. Um, yeah, let me try on. to find it. Yeah, this was courtesy of Dave Downey on Twitter. So last time Liverpool won at Anfield, he said it's been 20 games in all competitions since Kevin Campbell's winner in 1999. And at least 1,800 minutes of football since then, Everton have been leading for just 63 minutes. <laughs> wow. In 1,800 minutes, they've been leading minutes. for 63 minutes at Anfield. Well, well done, Liverpool. So they just basically, yeah, they, they, they just bottle it every time they go to Anfield. Um, elsewhere North London Arsenal v Spurs we talked a bit about Spurs last week and already today so let's let's skip them but Arsenal have now gone about 5 million games unbeaten mm-hmm. um, Arsenal fans must be pretty happy yeah as far as I know they, they're very happy with how things are going mm. I was a bit sceptical about the appointment of Emery in the summer I thought perhaps they should have gone with Mikel Arteta but he's he's done a good job so far he's got nice football you know a bit like Marco Silva he's playing nice stuff he's you know, you look at the first two games of the season, they, they had a nightmare start against City and Chelsea. They lost both games. They haven't lost since. 
Um, you also think back to those first games and the, the image that sticks in my mind is Petr Cech nearly kicking the ball in his own net when they were trying to play out from the back. <laughs> They've got all that nailed down now. I saw an interview with Steve Bold, the former Arsenal defender, now Arsenal coach last week, where he was saying that's been the biggest challenge, not only getting the players to adapt to that style of play, but getting the fans on side with it and getting people that, you know, they're not so nervous in the stadium when they're watching the team anymore. Mm. Um yeah, I just think they've been they've been really good. I think Aubameyang has been superb. Um, I think he scored ten in thirteen now or something like that. He's Eight. doing well. Yeah, is that all? Eight in the league. Yeah, Eight Eight in the league. Literally yeah. just checked it two yeah. seconds ago. Yeah, you knew that. Ten in yeah. seventeen in, in all competitions he's got. Yeah, so I any think any particular player you want to single out for praise? It would have been him to be honest. Yeah, he's okay. the one who. I mean, they signed him last January. Um, we all know what a good player he was, but there were times last season where he looked like he'd, he'd lost, lost a yard of his pace and I, I worried that perhaps he, uh, he might never get that back but he, he's the sort of fox in the box player that I think Arsenal have been crying out for for years and um, Lacazette has improved playing with him as well mm. um, I think Lucas Torreira has been a really good signing yeah. young Matteo Ganduzi has been good as well great hair so, even though that's been pretty good you yeah. know that should have been to Milan last summer uh, he yeah. really wanted to go yeah, yeah, yeah. he's from the youth because he comes from the youth or yeah. Milan so he wanted to go back I think and then Montella said no I don't want Aubameyang I want Nikola Kalinic mm, <laughs> good choice I think Aubameyang is a super weird player to be honest because just from what he oh, yeah. how he could play um, he, he shouldn't be the, the kind of in the box striker that he is that he turned out to be that he developed into it because he started as a winger at Dortmund yeah, that's and now he's honestly a classic in the box striker I love it I love watching him but it's crazy Arsenal obviously have a trip to a very cold trip to Ukraine Spurs have another day to recover having played at Inter and they've been or played Inter and they played at home uh, how do you see it going Dan? Well, I mean, I think at Emery, if he's got any sense, he should be leaving all of his first team stars at home for this game in the Ukraine. I mean, it's a bit of a farce, isn't it? They, they were supposed to play in Poltava. Mm. Um, there's been a very uh, delicate political situation in Ukraine, let's say. Very delicate. Which means the game has now been moved to Kiev, or maybe it's not being moved to Kiev. We don't really know yet. Um, it's going to be absolutely freezing there. Minus 13, they reckon at kickoff it's going to be. So why Emery would risk any of his players when they've already qualified for the next stage, and it's the Europa League, let's be honest. I mean, he seems to hold it in reverence, more reverence than it perhaps deserves the Europa League, mm-hmm. Emery. Certainly more reverence than English teams usually do. So, yeah, he should be. So a Tottenham win? Uh, no, nah, I fancy Arsenal, actually. Okay. Yeah, Tottenham were very good against Chelsea last week and were decent against Inter by all accounts, but mm-hmm. I've got a feeling Arsenal will nick this one 2-1. Okay, one final, final question. Ballon d'Or being awarded this Monday. The leaks yesterday had it as Modric, Ronaldo, Griezmann in that order. Quick one word on who it should be. For me, it should be Griezmann. Rafael Varane. Yeah, <laughs> other, other people have suggested Varane. I don't, well, I don't get gets, it either. Look, if, why would Modric win it then? Because if Modric wins, you can easily give it to Varane too. Because he actually won the World Cup on top of everything that Modric. Yeah, won. but it's not just about what oh, they win. We it's about also this. how they played in the last year oh, and why? how. I, I agree with that. I mean, I think that defensive players should win more Ballon d'Ors than they actually but do. Rafael Varane. But no Rafael Varane. <laughs> I actually agree. But if we say it's about how they play too, then why isn't it awarded to I don't know Cristiano or Leo Messi again? Because they're still dominating. 
I did only give you all of one word. Messi doesn't so deserve it this year, honestly. Dan, you Messi got the doesn't. final. You got the final say on this. I don't care. <laughs> okay. I thought he said something like I don't know Bernardo Silva. Kevin or, De Bruyne. Exactly. Exactly. Okay, that's all from us today. My thanks to Nico from Chesco and Dan, and thanks to you for listening. Remember, if you want to send your questions over, the address is podcast at onefootball.com.